You are listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles with you today, please open them up with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans, chapter 12. I'd like to c- conclude today our short series entitled The Spirit-Filled Life. We've been looking at some of these attributes of the Holy Spirit. In recent weeks, we talked about his person, something of his purpose, and something of how Jesus promised his coming. We also talked last week about the transformation power that the Holy Spirit brings to our life, the ability to change us from within, and something God divinely begins to work in our nature, our character, renewing us, changing us. I'd like today to talk about another dynamic of the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, and I'm entitling that God's equipping power. The Holy Spirit come to our life not just to work within, but also to work through. You probably hear me say that a lot. I use that phrase often in prayer or even in, in sharing that, you know, God wants to work in us and through us. And all of that is done by the Holy Spirit. Last week, the transforming work within, but also there is a work that God desires to do through us. And he equips and empowers and enables for that work too. Sometimes it's a neglected thought. We we know all about the Holy Spirit working in us. We often ask God to work in us, change us, Lord, help us. We ask God to work in our lives, our circumstance, our, our job, our family, our finance. But there's also this prayer that should come up from the heart of the believer. Oh, God, work through me. Use my life. Help me be a vessel useful to the master. Holy Spirit, come activate my life. Give gifts. Give divine ability and enabling to accomplish your will on the earth. Let me partner with you, Lord, as you have access to my heart. This working through us. You're there in Romans 12. I'll join you in a moment. But remember where we started a few weeks back. This all came out of our looking at what came next after the resurrection. Jesus is getting ready to go to heaven. He's raised from the dead, but he's getting ready to send the Holy Spirit. That's going to be the next chapter, the book of Acts. And so Jesus is preparing his disciples. You'll remember, he said, assembled together with them. This is out of Acts 1. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus went on in verse 8 to describe some of the purpose of this Holy Spirit's coming. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus is saying to his disciples, the Holy Spirit is coming, and he's coming to give you a power to impact the world for Christ to influence your generation for me. You're going to be the carriers of the message. You're going to be the preachers of this good news. The Holy Spirit is going to enable you. You're not going to be called to do it in your own strength or just your own ability or aptitude. God is going to empower you to advance his kingdom work. You are going to be my representatives on the earth. You're going to witness of me. 
It's going to start locally there in Jerusalem. It'll expand into the surrounding area of Judea, then farther to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God has planned purpose in the giving of this Holy Spirit, not just the work within, but this work in the world, through us to the world. You're there there in Romans chapter 12. I'd like to look at verses 1 through 13 together today, and we'll, we'll break it into three sections, and I hope that it'll encourage your heart today as God desires to empower you for ministry. Look with me, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Step one in allowing the Holy Spirit to empower your life for service and ministry, you gotta present yourself to God. You've got to kind of show up for work before you can get to work. There's not much you can do until you first come to him and present yourself a living sacrifice. Paul says that you should present yourself holy, acceptable to God. Now, some of us say, well, how can I do that? I'm not holy. I'm not acceptable. I've got issues. How can I present myself to be useful to God? Well, Paul said, it's not in your your ability. It's by the mercies of God. This is Romans chapter 12. The first 11 chapters, Paul has been talking about all that God has done for you in Christ. He's talked about the cross and the the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus, what he has done for you and I, the standing that we have with him. That's why he's able to say, this is your reasonable service. This is the rational response to a God that has done all of this for you it only makes sense that you would then give yourself to him. Lord, you've forgiven me. Lord, you died for me. Lord, you've purchased me with your own blood. I'm yours. Lord, here I am. Have your way in me. Lord, I'm here to be a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they would bring animal sacrifices to atone for sin. But now Jesus has made the ultimate sacrifice. There's no need for animal sacrifices any longer. We are now simply called to present ourselves. We have right standing. Now our sacrifice is not an offering for sin, but it's a living sacrifice, a life devoted and available to him, acceptable to God. He says, you know what? Don't conform to the world. Listen, church, just some, some, we just need to quit on the world. The world is empty. The world is, it will frustrate you to leave you just, when I say quit on the world, not in terms of saving, but in terms of trying to emulate or be like that or chase that. Paul says, don't conform to that. You be changed. You be transformed. You be renewed. Let God reprogram you to be his servant. Make his will your priority. Step number one in making yourself useful to the Lord and his empowering spirit, present yourself to God. Let's look on verse three, the next section. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. 
For as we have many members in one body, but not all the member, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Present yourself to God as a living sacrifice and then connect yourself to Christ by connecting with one another. We are now the body of Christ. Paul says, give yourself to God, but then recognize that God has called you to be connected to one another. He says, think soberly about this. Don't be caught up in pride. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. There's a couple ways that we can think more highly of ourselves. One of them is to think that we don't need anybody else. I don't need the body. I don't need those people at church. Christians are weird. I'd rather just kind of go to church, get out of there. I don't want to have too much connection there because I don't need them. There's really nothing that I'm interested in from them. I'm just coming to kind of go through my duty of church, hear the Bible, be inspired, but live my life. But that would be thinking more highly of yourself, to think that you don't have any need for the other giftings that God has placed in the body is really to say, God, I don't have need for the things you tell me I do need. So that's a warning here. But another thing, thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think, is to think that somehow you are the gift to the body of Christ. I'm, I'm the gift here. I, they all need me. And you, know, you, you imagine that you know, every ministry is a ministry you should be doing or that you could be doing better. And you imagine that somehow you don't have a place, a fit. You think that your place is higher. Your place is more important. And so there's pride. God, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He's saying, think soberly about this. Recognize your place. You have a place, and it's important for you to fulfill it. The Holy Spirit has gifted you to work in this place, but recognize that others are gifted as well. You need to come and make yourself available, and then you need to come with the right attitude towards one another. Paul would say it this way. You're there in Romans 12. Let me remind you of a couple of verses. You'll recognize these verses. Paul would use this analogy of a body, you know, many parts, different functions. He would use this in other places in the New Testament. Uh, very specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, he says this, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now, this is one of the confusions that comes into the thinking. I'm, I'm just a foot. Oh, she's a hand. You know, I'm not a hand. I, I can't help here. I'm of no value here. Look at all these hands. I'm just a foot. And there's this idea of diminishing your place. I don't have anything to offer. I can't contribute. I can't do what others are doing so well. So I don't really have anything to offer the body. Paul is saying... Does that make the foot any less a part of the body? Listen, feet have ministry too, right? Feet have a place in the body. You are included in the work of the body. You are needed and necessary. So don't imagine that because you don't have some of the gifting or calling that others may have and you see them being used, don't imagine that you have no place you do. It may be different, but God will gift you as well. 
Another warning, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21, Paul goes on to say this, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. It's wrong to imagine I have nothing to offer. It's also wrong to imagine I have nothing that I need. I'm the eye who needs the hand, who needs the feet. I'm the eye. And that attitude causes division and the breakdown of the unified work of the body. So we need to recognize that each and every one of us has a place and each and every one of us need one another. So I want you to turn to somebody right now and tell them, I need you. Turn to somebody, say, I need you. I need you. That's hard to say, isn't it? All right, now turn to somebody and say, you need me. This is easier. (laughs) Go ahead. You need me. (laughs) It reminds me of that Marine movie, right? You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. All right, now turn to each other and say, you can't handle the truth. No, don't do that. (laughs) We need each other. God has put us together. This is God's program. This is not for us to assess. This is for us to walk and obey. God has organized the church this way. He's not created us to be independent of one another, not to thrive and not to really come into the fullness of what the Holy Spirit longs to do in our lives. Look with me now, verse six, and we'll finish up through verse 13, the final section that I wanna draw your attention to here today. Verse six, having then gifts differing, According to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. My third thought for you today, give yourself to the work. I might say it this way, do the work. You've showed up for work. You've presented yourself to God. You've connected yourself with a fellowship of believers. Now allow the Holy Spirit to work. Paul gives a list. It's not intended to be the exhaustive list. It almost comes, you know, my sense is Paul is saying, look, here's an example of the ministry gifts that you may have and you should be walking in. He's clear to let us know that each and every one of us has been given gifting from the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, whatever that is, whatever that looks like in your life, put it to work. Well, I can't, all I can do is serve. Well, then serve. Well, all I can do is teach. Well, then teach. 
Well, all I can do is kind of exhort or encourage people. Then be the encouragement that the body needs. Whatever God has given to you, whatever opportunity, whatever service is before you, do the work. You see, the trouble is not that there's not enough work to go around. Jesus said the fields are white for harvest. Oh, God wants to work in his church, through his church. God wants to be represented in our generation. And the fields are white for harvest. Jesus didn't say there's any shortage of work to do. He did say, though, that there is a shortage of who? Workers. Pray, ask God to send out laborers into the harvest. You see, we need, we need to make ourselves available, but then we need to actually step out and do the work. That's the hard part. You got to take a step of faith. I'm not sure what to do. Well, pray. Begin to make yourself available. God will lead you. Here's what I've noticed over all the years I've been in church and fellowship. Those who want to serve, do serve. Those who really want to find some place to connect and be available, whether it be to the body, whether it be in some ministry door of opportunity, they find a place. God will lead you to it. You've got to look for it in your heart. You've got to be ready for it. You've got to recognize that much of what God does is through the local body. There is something vital about being engaged in a local fellowship that helps enhance the giftings of God's spirit through your life. Peter would talk about this, and I'll just read this to you. You don't need to turn, but 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Let me read this. It sounds so similar to what I just read. As each one, each and every one, has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I love that. Manifold, multifaceted, diverse, unique, uh, just, you know, wonderful grace of God. These gifts have been distributed to you. Be good stewards. And then he gives a small example as well. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom we belong, the glory and the dominion forever and ever, amen. Each and every one, God has distributed multifaceted, variety, diverse works of grace. Charis is the Greek word. Charismatic is where we get the term from, this idea of gifting, this idea of grace, It's not in you. It's not in your ability. You don't have to manufacture it. It comes from God. You know, as you study through the scripture, you find that God often uses the kind of the least likely candidates. Have you noticed that? Almost as if God is kind of weaving into the whole story. I don't need men's aptitude and ability. I will give the aptitude. I will give the grace. I will bring my will to the heart that is humble, to the heart that is available, to the heart that is willing to cooperate. Paul said, I am what I am, how? By the grace of God. But the grace of God did not come to me in vain. I labored more than them all, even more than other ministers, apostles. I labored, and yet it wasn't I, it was the grace of God in me. There's this co-laboring with the grace of God. God supplies the gifting, the ability, the grace. 
but then you cooperate with that grace. You give place to that. You say, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you don't have to do it. God will do it. You take a step of faith. Now, you know, it takes time to kind of find that niche, that place where you can make a difference, either in the body or in the kingdom. But it starts with that desire and willing heart and willing to take some steps. You'll find that things develop, you know, through different seasons of your life. God opened some doors for me to serve, and I served there and found fruitful ministry, but then God led me to different places. I mean, here I am today. I I didn't see any of this years ago. But by being faithful in the small things, by being faithful and diligent in those small opportunities that God gave, he opened up more opportunity. And let me just say, every time I come out here, I'm praying, oh, Holy Spirit, gift me, grace me. Lord, I don't want to be out here doing this on my own. Oh, I have my notes, I have my thoughts, but God, Holy Spirit, only you can speak to the heart of your people. Only you can bring to life the truth from your word. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his ability, his gifting, his calling. And I like back there in Romans 12, verse 11, I think this is a good encouragement, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Sometimes we're just not diligent. Sometimes God has given gift, God has given opportunity, but we're just, it's treated kind of like extra credit, that's an elective. I don't really have to get, you know, engaged in that. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I don't want to get overboard. I've got a real life to live, right? But the scripture says, no, the life you have to live is the life that God has purchased for himself. And I now give myself to him who died and rose again on my behalf. And Paul says, don't lag in diligence. Be diligent. Be fervent in spirit. Let the Holy Spirit empower, enable you, serving the Lord. You're not doing it for man. You're not doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for some sense of reward, although God is faithful to reward and promises reward. But you're doing it because you love him and you have a relationship with him, and because he's loved you so much. That's why it's your reasonable service. That's why it's the rational response Who wouldn't want to be available to serve this God who has served me? Served me with the grace and love of his son on the cross. Served me and by the Holy Spirit changing me and renewing my life. Come on, think about it. Where would you be without the Lord? Where would you be without the Holy Spirit, without the grace of God in your life? So it's giving yourself to those things, allowing the Holy Spirit to enable you with that power. Dunamis is the Greek word from which we get dynamite. God is going to empower you, enable you to be a witness, to be a, a person that impacts your world for Christ. And that can show up in so many different ways. The multifaceted, the manifold grace of God wants to work in you, in us, in our church, in the church, in our generation. And let me just close with this this thought for you today. What else really matters as much? What else matters besides allowing God to accomplish his divine purpose through your life? The plans, the purpose, 
the works that he planned in eternity past just for you, crafted just for you, and empowered by his spirit just through you, what else really matters in the end? God has a way of getting our attention, doesn't he? He has a way of kind of reshuffling our priorities. I got a phone call last night. It's about 11 o'clock. I was just in bed, not asleep, but in bed. My phone rang and I looked down. It was my son, my youngest son. He's 25. On my phone, he appears as Scotty Boy. His name, you know him as Scott. And so I answered. I thought, wow, this is not normal for him to be calling me at 11 o'clock. He's married to our daughter-in-law, Lauren, uh, just recently married in the last couple of years. They live, we have a little apartment uh, attached to our home and they live there. And so I get this call at 11 and I, I answer it, Scotty, what's up? He said, dad, are you up? I said, well, I'm awake, but I'm not up. He said, okay, well, I want to tell you that I just got a phone call and Lauren has been involved in a serious automobile accident. And she was on the freeway and she rolled her car off the freeway. But I talked to her. She was in the ambulance and I got to hear from her and she sounds okay. And then the paramedic got on the phone and said, I think she's okay. We're taking her to emergency and we're gonna run tests on her and make sure that she's all right. How many of you know one phone call can reprioritize everything, right? I said, son, do you want me to come with you? He said, dad, do you want to come with me? I said, I'll be ready in five minutes. We went down there. We got on the, on the freeway down in Orange County, about a 40-minute drive, called my wife. Her and my daughter, Jessica, were out shopping for Mother's Day. Where else would she be, right? It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm home in bed. She's, you know, my wife. Told her the news. She said, me and Jesse are coming. We got to the hospital. Let me just tell you, that drive to the hospital with my son, all priorities had rearranged. All of a sudden, oh God, we need you. Oh God, help us. Oh God. And God has a way of reorienting us to what really matters. We got to the hospital. Her parents were there, Gary and Jeannie. All of us were shaken up. We finally got to see her. Let me tell you, not one scratch on that girl. Praise the Lord. They ran the tests. No head trauma. She didn't, her head didn't hit anything. She, they ran all the x-rays, CAT scans, not one fracture anywhere. A miracle. This girl rolled off the freeway down uh, a hill. They had to pull her out of the car while it was upside down. She couldn't get out. People stopped, went down there, helped her get out of the car. She's sore. (laughs) I'm going to be sore for a little while, but praise God, it was a miraculous thing. You know, we were there late. It was a long night. But uh, at 12.01, Lauren was able to wish her mother a happy Mother's Day. Now that's got to be the best Mother's Day present ever, right? That's got to be the best Mother's Day gift ever. The safety and well-being of your daughter, your children. 
I share that because it's so so new and just happened in our life. We're still all just kind of amazed by God's protection through this. But we're also reminded of how fragile life is and that we have this life that God has given to us, entrusted to us, that we have this incredible potential to be a vessel for the Holy Spirit, to gift, to give power, to, to work in our generation. And I'm telling you, I believe that's the most important work we can be about. Paul would finish his ministry, and I'll close with this passage out of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul knew that his life was coming to a close, and he writes to Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That day's coming for all of us, and I want to encourage you today to run your race, fight the fight. God has called you. We saw it in those passages, each and every one. None none of us are excluded. If you have a walk with God, if you know him, his Holy Spirit has gift and empowerment for you to accomplish for his glory. And when it's all done, that's what lasts forever. Those moments, those little words of prophecy that God entrusted to you to share. Those words of wisdom, when, when you're talking with someone and the Holy Spirit is whispering in your heart, giving you insight into the spiritual dilemma, and you're able to speak to that, and in that word comes life, comes hope and help. You've had it. You've tasted it, many of you. You've received it. You've known that was the Lord. And the Holy Spirit wants to activate all of us in this manner, in whatever way. And that's my prayer for us as a church. I'm praying that God will pour out his Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you're going to be baptized. We see all through the book of Acts. After that event, the next chapter, Acts chapter 2, Jesus ascended after the 40th day of his resurrection. And then on the 50th day, the day we call Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and fulfilled all that Jesus had promised. He came with quite a demonstration on that first outpouring. The the wind blew through the room. Tongues of fire descended visible evidence that the Holy Spirit had come and they began to speak with tongues. And from there, they began to prophesy. They began to have dreams. They began to, to speak with a new boldness and they became witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And you see, as you track through, the, through the, uh, the book of Acts with the apostles, that there were numerous times that, that Luke, the writer, reminds us, and Peter standing up, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and the, the tense of the verb there is he was as if he was being refilled. In other words, it's not just a once upon a time, I got filled and I've got everything I need for every moment and every circumstance. No, I need to be refilled. Free refills, right? We like that. I need more of the Holy Spirit. I need more of God. And even today, you need him. And you need to be asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, fill me. Holy Spirit, come upon me. Holy Spirit, 
Activate my life for the kingdom. Activate our church. Oh, Lord, help us to be light in a dark time. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his grace. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. We're going to, we're going to close. I want to say a general prayer overall. Normally, I give invitation to respond and come forward or raise your hand. And I certainly want to pray if there's anyone here today that does not know the Lord in a personal way and you desire a relationship with him, I'm going to pray for you. But I'm also going to pray for everyone to be filled afresh and anew with the Holy Spirit. We need that ongoing, filling, working, gifting power that comes from him. And I would love to see just a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our lives. So bow with me now as I pray. Father, I do thank you for the promise and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us. And Lord, today we're considering the work of the Holy Spirit through us. There are some here today, and you may be that you do not know the Lord. You've never come to this relationship with Christ. You've never received this grace and forgiveness that he has and has purchased for you at the cross and the resurrection. And for your heart, if you're here today and you need the Lord, then just make this your prayer. Jesus, forgive me. I believe you love me and died on the cross for me. I receive that work of grace in my life and I invite you into my heart to live with me and God, I'm asking you by your spirit to live through me. I turn from my own ways and my own sinful past. God, I'm, I'm turning my life to you. I want your will in my life. I believe if that's your heart today, God will meet you and he will save you and you you can receive Christ. Lord, I also want to pray for all those that are here that that are believers. I want to ask God that you would fill us afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to say that I am here today as a living sacrifice. I'm here to present myself to you and say, God, have your way. Have your way in me, but God, work through me. Lord, pour out your spirit. God, may may we speak in tongues. May we prophesy. May we see the, the miracle working hand of God. May we see words of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, may we see the, the gifts, the charis, the charis of your spirit, the grace working in the life of your church whether it be in serving, whether it be in showing mercy, whether it be in giving or leading or teaching or just being an encouragement or just being faithful as a brother, a sister, Lord, a a husband, a wife, a mother. God, we need your grace to do the work that you've entrusted to us. We want to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So pour yourself out, Lord. Pour yourself afresh on us today. 
baptize us, pour out on us, fill us to overflowing, come upon us, fall upon us, Lord. We need you today. May it be fresh, may it be new, may it be, Lord, just more of what you have for us going forward in your grace. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. We pray you have been blessed by this sermon. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.